Coming in over the gorgeous conifers of the nearby Rockies, we breach the mountain summit to behold an endless expanse of dreary rooftops and half-chewed dreams. The faint glow of an impending sunrise lingers in the horizon behind. We see neat blocks of housing cut perfectly into the landscape like math grid paper. Everything precise, everything accounted for. The quiet symphony of an early morning hustled traffic and a laboring of the occasional horn rings out to us. When a flock of birds clutter in the air in front of us, going mad over the sake of being mad, and then they swoop down and we follow the birds down and they land into a nearby tree. And we find ourselves looking now at a quaint three-story building nestled in a cul-de-sac of one of those neatly cut suburbs. Zooming in closer, we see an endless stream of used and broken toys and bicycles that litter the yard as a small, neat sign set into the brickwork beside the front door comes into view. Harrington Grove Orphanage. A small lizard skitters across the sign and we follow it along the brickwork and along the railing and up. It weaves its way up and up, passing the first and second story windows as we pass scenes of small patrons' bedrooms and bunk beds tucked cozily into their early morning sleep. We stop when we get to the top floor. The lizard keeps skittering on, but through the window from the outside, we see the interior of this bedroom come into focus. It's a small and simple room. There's a desk off to one side that's scattered with papers for schoolwork and documents. A laptop sits open that sits in idle mode. And we see a sleeping mound in the bed. <laughs> does Eli dream? And if so, what does Eli usually dream about? Eli um, dreams. He, uh, I think he dreams like probably a couple different times a month. Um, usually just about like jambled things like, I don't know, riding in a buggy upon uh, just streetways or... Uh, general things he's heard about the world and the things that he's seen with his own eyes. It's a very jumbled mix of just kind of just it's just jumbled mix basically. <laughs> so Eli's in this sleep, and I guess somehow we can see him dreaming about these things. Maybe it's crossing our vision as it happens. We see on the bedside table a simple digital alarm clock with glowing red numbers that reads 5:09 a.m. A cool chill cuts its way in through the bottom of the cracked window and into the room, dropping the temperature just a little bit. And we see the body begin to stir and toss in his sleep. Eli, can you please roll plus weird? I sure can. So as we talked about in episode zero, um, I'm going to have Eli roll 2d6, which is just two standard dice. uh, And he's going to add a modifier, which is... Uh, I'm getting him to use weird. Really, man? Making me do the first roll of the game? (laughs) Uh, Not bad. That's going to be a 12, actually. After seeing these these visionscapes of Eli's dreams, of him racing in a buggy and whatnot, there's some sort of distortion. And then a flash of images come in quick succession across Eli's dream vision. And from the outside, we see him start to almost kind of shake 
we see this like swirling of indiscernible shapes and colors. And then it snaps to an abandoned building. And we, when we see this abandoned building, we feel this vibrance and excitement and we feel like we trust it. And then the vision changes. We have more shapes and colors. And then we're brought to see a large black shadow that emerges from the ground and we feel hatred and sadness and anger and frightened and most of all, helpless. The third and final image that we cut to, we see with immense clarity now, a man and a woman standing together inside this black shadow surrounded by the hate and the anger and the fear. But they do not emit these vibes. They are soft and humble. And when they look at you, Eli, they are proud. And then in an instant, we are awoken and we swept quickly switch to the digital alarm clock and it says 8.06. Eli is awoken from his sleep in a sweat and he shoots upright from his bed. Eli, you have to start school in 15 minutes. God damn it. Slaps his phone, uh, slaps his phone to turn the alarm off. Is like, runs over to the desk, grabs his computer off the top oh, along with a handful of uh, books and uh, stuff, goes uh, and uh, doesn't really have time to do any washing up. So, uh, like, clicks open the window that's right next to his bed, open it, and starts to go down the fire escape, which is where he usually goes out in his morning, but he woke up late, so he's in a bit of a rush. He goes down, he falls, uh, and I'm assuming uh, he's got, like, a bike or something for transportation to get to school nearby. So he hops on that uh, and starts riding off. Eli jumps on this bike, and then from the back of the house, uh, you hear this small voice pipe up, and uh, it, it says... Eli, Eli, have you seen? Oh, sh- guys, what's the name of this lizard gonna be? Yo, I don't know. Margot. Stinko. Steve. Eli, Eli, have you seen Steve? Uh, no, I, I haven't. Sorry, I'm late for school. Uh, good. Bye. I'll see. Da, da. She just kind of huffs and stomps her foot and then goes back into the house as you zoom off. And you're off for your day at school. Not exactly to uh, school. He hits by a, um, a local restaurant uh, type thing uh, that's kind of got like an open, uh, like it's part restaurant. And then it's kind of like, have you ever seen ice cream stand? And they got that front uh, thing. He'll hit yeah. by there to grab like a big egg and cheese on a roll first. <laughs> and okay. then he'll head off to school. Like, Shit, Mags is going to kill me. I'm late. What would Eli's like regular day of school look like? Like maybe like what classes does he take? Well, uh, normally uh, he gets up pretty. He normally tries to get up early to meet up with Mags before school, mm-hmm. uh, so they can talk and do trades and just you know do things with friends. Uh, his first class is gym, and then it will go on to uh. His first class is gym, and then as it heads on, he'll get to lunch. Before you get to lunch, you're in gym class. The coach has you doing uh, just sort of general activities right now because it's a it's actually a pretty rainy day outside, so there couldn't be much uh, outside activities. Uh, and instead, he's got you all inside, maybe just like playing ball games. Like there's some soccer balls just kind of loitering around. There's some boys playing some basketball. What would Eli be doing in this scene? Like, would he be j- playing? Would he be chilling? Um... 
He probably, uh, I'd say he's probably like for the first half, he'd probably be doing like some stretches and then walk around the gym a couple times, get a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then for the rest of the, he'd either, uh, probably just try and say, uh, can I go to the bathroom and just hang out in there for a bit? And then, uh, sitting on some bleachers, just kind of chilling, maybe look at his phone a couple times. Cool. So in the second half, while you're sitting on the bleachers, you're just kind of chilling there, just, you know, taking some time out, just kind of watching everyone do their thing. And then you hear this loud smack come from one of the corners of the room. And it's actually the boys that were playing basketball earlier. And you see the smallest boy in that group, uh, Lucas. You know, you know who Lucas is. Lucas, <laughs> Lucas is the kid that he tries super hard to want to be everybody's friend, but you also know that these boys, um, Bryce and his gang. Oh, his name is Bryce. Yeah, dude, I just pulled that out right there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's her. That's already making me a bit mad. <laughs> um, you see Lucas is actually laying on the ground, like flat on his ass. And Bryce is like standing over him, just kind of like, but basically he's laughing and teasing and making fun of Lucas. And then you watch Lucas like, try to get up and Bryce just kind of like nudges him back down and is like kind of getting up in his face now. What's Eli's reaction? He's going to jump down from the bleachers and head over and say like, hey, S.A., knock it off. <laughs> what do you want, Eli? Get out of here. Ah, come on, man. He's trying his best at the game. To hey, push <laughs> off. Bryce shoves you and he turns his back around and Eli is now, you are just furious at this head and you start to clench your fists and your knuckles are starting to turn white what is eli thinking in this moment uh, how would you like if you got pushed mm. as soon as you have that thought bryce is pushed forward by nothing there is no contact with anybody else around him but bryce goes flying forwards toppling over the top of lucas and as he's laying there on the ground, he gathers himself and he turns around and he just stares at you with, like, absolute malice. Hey, bro, it looks like you tripped. All of his friends just kind of start laughing and nudging each other. Bryce stands up, kind of dusts himself off, and he takes a moment, looks at the others laughing at him, looks at Lucas, and then finally looks at you one last time, and he storms off and out of the gym. Running like a little schoolgirl somewhere, maybe the bathrooms. <laughs> the boys around you that were sort of part of the game start to disperse, and you are left there momentarily with Lucas, who is still on the ground. I offer my hand. Thanks very much, Eli. You didn't have to do that. He was just, you know, showboating. You don't have to worry about Bryce. Yeah, he didn't have to push yeah. you. Well, I mean, I did kind of, you know, dip on him a bit. I got some sweet moves, and he's starting to like uh, toss like a basketball between. He's like, "You want to play with me?" He looks at the clock. He's just like, "Eh, what the heck? I ain't doing anything." You explained to me that Eli normally after school would go to Zach's shop. Could you briefly explain the relationship you have with Zach for us? Yeah, so uh, Zach, uh, ever since e uh, Eli can like remember anything consciously, uh, 
he was at the orphanage and uh, he was probably out one day not wanting to be there and uh, stumbled across Zach's shop and just started talking to him and uh, Zach decided to take a liking to him and now he's kind of like a mentor for him. If it's a uh, like a, a Thursday or a Friday, he'd probably head to Zach's after school for work. It is that day <laughs> because otherwise yeah. my plot is ruined. <laughs> yeah, he would probably head uh, to, to Zach's after school for work. Awesome. He'd probably text him beforehand like, hey, I'm heading over. I'm working today. Yeah, he, he just replies, see you soon. And then we cut forward and you're in this workshop now in the main section that sits you know, behind the main counter when you would walk in to the reception area. The central workbench has a scattering of tools and saws strewn all across it. And while the shop itself is not currently that busy, Zach's currently got you practicing on a knuckle hinge joint. While you're working on this, you sort of get lost listening to the music that Zach has on. And the smell of freshly varnished pine fills the air. And you kind of catch yourself just kind of having this moment to yourself. Everything's good. Everything's, everything's really good. And you feel really good. You feel like you belong. And as you're in this moment, Zach comes by and kind of leans over and makes a comment on your knuckle hinge joint like, um, yeah, you got to uh, make sure that the, the knuckle spacing isn't uh, too far apart part otherwise the whole thing will just come hey, to yeah yeah sorry i kind of got uh distracted by the music uh, let me fix that he looks back up at, but not at you instead he's looking sort of past you and at the front window with a confused kind of smile on his face he raises his eyebrows in that direction and just kind of mumbles hey eli take a look at this huh i'll pick up out the front window, you see an overtly fancily dressed man wearing a moss green suit that is inlaid with this silky floral pattern. He has short locks of bright red hair that poke out from the bottom of a wide moss green top hat. And he's currently kind of hunched over trying to pry the wheel of what looks like a suitcase out of a crack in the sidewalk. And the both of you just kind of, you know, lean up against the bench. Try not to laugh. <laughs> watching this uh, very obscure man just struggling. But after a few moments, this gentleman manages to pull. What you can now see is this, like, yeah, microwave-sized machine. You, you've, like, you've never seen anything like this. And the gentleman actually turns around and walks right up to the front window of your shop. And he presses his face right up against the glass. And he's looking at, and he sees the both of you looking at him, and he smiles this like wonderful wide grin, and he waves at you. Uh, you know this guy? <laughs> Never seen him in my life. And the bell above the door rings as the man pushes his way into the shop. Zach kind of wipes his hands on an old piece uh, of cloth and mutters just quietly to you, Ugh, "Here we go." Hey there, how's it going? And the man puffing says, ah, very good, sir. Thank you. Now that I got this bloody thing here, and he hoists up the machine and slams it onto the counter chop. The name's Augustus. And how is your fine self? As he extends a handshake. 
takes his hand and shakes it. Zach, nice to meet you. I am thoroughly inspecting whatever this machine is because I am fascinated. Yeah, Zach kind of says, uh, what can I help you with today? As he also starts looking over this machine. And um, Augustus says, ah, yes, well, uh, okay, this, uh, well, I don't know what it is or what it'll do. It was passed down to me by my great aunt. And I was wondering if uh, maybe you wouldn't mind taking a look at it. Maybe, perhaps, possibly, to see what it does and all of that. I, I give him the look as like, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I? Uh, Zach just nods to you. Yes, and I grab the machine and I hoist it and I'll bring it over to like a workbench or a place that I can get some thoroughly, a place to expect, uh, inspect it. Yeah, absolutely. And Zach just kind of says, uh, sure, I can um, take a look at it. And he walked back with you just to kind of inspect it. It uh, looks like a... It looks like a lawnmower melted into a small fridge. I don't know. I've never seen half of these parts before. And you notice now that like, as you're looking at it, it's not like your conventional screws and joints. It's just this weird mesh of... Uh, you've just never seen this before. There, there are joints and there are parts in here that you just cannot recognize. Can I feel for like a seam? Roll plus sharp for me. Uh, it's going to be a nine. As you're looking this thing over, you're still just like so confused. And so is Zach. Zach's just like furrow browed, really struggling to like figure out what this is. Do you think this is the antenna? No, that doesn't look like an antenna. That looks like a, some sort of outlet for something. And uh, it's on the back uh. bottom side that you see this like little panel that has uh what you recognize is like a a a conventional uh kind of what's the word i'm looking for like a bolt that holds this panel together ah and that kind of goes well uh, it looks like i can at least get this casing off but i don't have that particular piece for it eli Mm -hmm. would you mind running over next door and ask julian if uh you can borrow a number seven socket wrench for me yeah sure thing and i'll run over there the bell above the door rings again as Eli heads out. We now zoom over to the automotive repair shop that sits directly next door to Zach's shop where a teenage girl leans up against an old vintage car. Ava, you feel the cool metal press into your back through your clothes as you lean gently back against the 1972 Chev that's here in the shop. Your mind is off in a daydream as you look aimlessly around the shop, just taking everything in. The multiple car posters from the 70s and 80s that Julian has collected. Photographs of Julian meeting various racing celebrities, mostly in front of cars. His big toothed grin from stretching from ear to ear ratchets and wrenches and tools upon benches and Ava you're taking in the gorgeous smell of oil and varnishes mixed with buffing wax and old coffee and you feel you're vibing it you're at peace you are just in purpose welcomed home in this state And you're standing there taking in this beautiful scenery when a body slides out on one of those skateboard roller thingies from under the chev that you're leaning against. And it's Julian. And he looks expectantly up at you and says, Oh, it's a knucklehead. Can you pass me the number seven socket? This carburetor is from an older model, I think. Yeah, yeah, jerk face. Give me a minute. Starts to go over and dig. She's mumbling to herself. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Ah, walks back over. Here you go. 
He takes the wrench from you, giving it a wipe with his old rag, and asks, You, uh, you seem far away. What's happening in that little nugget of yours? You know, just enjoying the beat and the day. Can't go wrong when you're in here. <laughs> I feel you. And it's at this point when the bell rings above the front door, and we see Eli walk in. Uh, Julian? You here? I got it. Don't worry about it, Julian. Hello? Ava approaches. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, Ava. Uh, I need a, um... Oh, crap. Was it a seven or an eight socket wrench? Uh... Uh, can you give me, like, uh... Crap. I forgot. Uh, can I get, like, a, like a, a seven through eight socket wrench? Because I forget which one uh, Zach told me to get. <laughs> uh... Yeah, totally. Give me a minute. Julian has a seven. Let me get the eight for you. Uh, out of curiosity, what do you need it for? Uh, some, like, I don't know. A weirdo just, uh, like, old school looking weirdo came in with this machine and we're just... Uh, as you guys are chatting, Julian slides out from underneath the chef now. And uh, he just kind of looks up at you, uh, Avar, and is like, uh, Hey, who is it? Oh, it's Eli. Hey. Hey, Julian. Oh, me. What's up, dude? Hey, uh, we just need a we just need a wrench to get this uh, weird machine this uh, guy brought over. We're trying to figure out what it is. Okay, go for it. You know where the toolbox is. So Ava's digging, still muttering to herself, and then I'm guessing is um, Julian still rolled out, and is he holding the wrench in some sort of fashion? <laughs> it's on his chest. So she's just gonna walk over, like grab it, and then hand it to Eli. No words. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's one out of three. Guess we go gather the other two that because I can't remember which one it was. It was seven. God dang it. It was seven. Oh yeah, I handed you the seven one. Oh yeah, you're but I forgot which one it was. Oh dude, I thought you meant Eli forgot. I didn't know that Gavin forgot. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay, uh hey, I'll let you I'll let you know whatever this thing is. Okay, uh see ya Ava. Bye Eli. And that and Julian. Bye. <laughs> Uh, Eli, you got to turn and walk out the door and uh, as you open it, you kind of spin and you bump into the Augustus. You bump right into him and he uh, he is already right there Uh, and you actually drop the wrench and it goes just clamoring onto the floor out on the street and like without even skipping a beat, Augustus just like spins around. He's like, well, no problem. And he clicks his fingers and the wrench just whoop, just like flies through the air, whips back into your hand. I kind of like look at the wrench and then look at him and then look at the wrench and then look at him and look at the wrench and he is just grinning from ear to ear and he gives you a plat shove out the door. Eli uh, basically does that thing where like he kind of like like shakes his head and then like like smacks his face and just like <laughs> you're eh, whatever. <laughs> it's probably just my imagination. He grabbed it. He must be really quick for how weird he is looking. And I get back up and I'll head back to the other shop. Augustus enters into the mechanic shop now and uh, he introduces himself to Julian and uh, Julian just kind of gives him a sup way from underneath the chef as he keeps coming back to work. And then Augustus brings his attention to you, Ava. My darling, it is an absolute privilege to finally meet you. And he takes off his hat and he bows deeply with just utmost respect. And as he's bent over, you see around his neck 
that is just kind of like now dangling downwards this like gorgeous crystal blue very small little pendant and it just kind of shimmers and somewhere ava deep like in your mind you hear the click of a finger and you are just you feel like this is a really you know that friend like you know that feeling when you get like you meet up with a really old friend and it's like gosh it's been so long you have that feeling but you still have no idea who this man is gotcha and he uh augustus now like stands back up Mm -hmm. and uh he says how do you do today madam uh and he just kind of pops his top hat back on and says um now it's uh we've met before but you uh you were much too young to probably remember uh, in fact, it is uh, almost 10 years to the date, nearly. But anyway, my, my name is Augustus, and uh, it's wonderful to meet you uh, again, Ava. Now, I, um, I'm i actually here to talk to you about something very, very important. And I know that it's quite abrupt. I know that I'm just kind of coming in off the street and just want to have a, I have met you for, I've known you for 10 years, and here I am again. But um, I I was wondering if you wouldn't mind just taking a very brief walk. I I find it better if we... I I find it easier to talk while walking. Is that that okay with you? She looks at Julian and then looks back to Augustus. Then she starts to take off the jacket that she wears in the shop because she tries not to get her clothes dirty. And then she drops that on the car. She's like, I'll be back, Julian. And she starts to walk with Augustus. Uh, Julian just quickly pokes out from underneath the chef and he's like, uh, hey. Hmm. And he just kind of like quickly just like looks between you and Augustus, just raises his eyebrows and he's like, you good? I'm good. Uh, later, dude. Just waves. (laughs) And the bell above the door rings as you now enter out onto the street. Now, I know that uh, 10 years is quite a lot of time, Augustus begins to explain. There have been reasons why I've not been able to make contact with you. Uh, and I can't exactly discuss it, you know, in in there. I, this is, I need to talk about this almost privately. But it's, it's something that you must know, and we must, we must... And he just kind of gestures onward on the street. And again, like you just have this feeling and sensation of like, this is just like such an old and trusted friend. Like you just have this connection somehow. There's just this warmth about him. And uh, he offers you his elbow. Uh, she takes it. <laughs> Doesn't say anything. As you start to walk like just a couple feet, he's like, oh, uh, one second. I do have a, I do have a little... Just one second. I do have to quickly pop back in here. And, um... Eli. You've just uh-huh. re-entered the shop, holding the wrench that has, like, just been magically whipped into your hands. Do you do or say anything about this, or are you just still kind of, like, slapping your face about it? Honestly, thanks. He, uh... It's a hot day out, and... Yeah, he woke up late, so he's kind of probably still groggy. He just thinks he he doesn't really think anything of it. Okay. So yeah, he's gonna go. He's like, uh, was it the seven? Uh, uh, was it the seven or the eight wrench? Uh, yeah, the it was the number seven. 
And uh, he just kind of, Zach just kind of holds his hand out, like expecting to suck it. And he's just still like, he's still really puzzling hard at this machine. It's just sort of like not sure what to make of it. Any clue what it is yet? <sighs> Look, man, like it could be like some sort of weird antique lawnmower. Who knows where this weirdo got it from? Um, I mean, I don't see any blades. So well, it can't be that. Yeah, I guess. But um, yeah, it looks like something you'd see in a cartoon. A few moments pass, and again, you hear the bell above the door ring. And Augustus pokes his head in the door. He chimes up. Thank you very much for wanting to uh, inspect my machine for me, Zach. I'll be back later to check it out. And um, Augustus looks over at you, Eli, and he remarks, You certainly do have your mother's eyes. Well, it was nice meeting both of you. Cheerio! And he closes the door behind him and heads out onto the street. He's got... (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, Eli, he's like... Huh? Wait, 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 what, what, huh? What, it, uh, D- Zach, tell me what the thing is later, and he busts out the door. Continuing down this street, Augustus is now sort of tentatively walking to, like, leaning in towards you, Ava, as he talks, and he, uh, he's just trying to show as much respect as he possibly can. And he just sort of continues, listen, Ava, I, um... It's been 10 years since I've met you because I was there. I was the one that pulled you from that car. I remember it like yesterday. And um, I have a brief question before we are. We're, we're about to not be alone for much longer. I, I, I have to ask you, has anything supernatural happened? Anything that you cannot explain in your life. Um, I think as soon as he mentions that he's the one that pulled her from the car, she like stops walking. Um, and she's remembering at that point. I mean, the only thing that's odd is my mom's tarot card deck, but that's, I mean, that's about it. Hmm. It's probably nothing. But um, you let me know if anything does happen. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Ava, and then behind you, you hear like this door slam open from uh, Zach's shop. And before you can even turn around, you just hear this whoosh. And standing like two feet behind you is Eli just. (sighs) Yeah, I actually think he probably falls flat on his ass trying to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ah! Oh, let me help you there, my young man. And uh, Augustus holds out his, uh, his hand for you to. To pick you back up, he uh like gets up uh, without his hand. Is like, what? Like, you cannot just oh, what? Yes, I uh, and uh, Augustus quickly turns to you, Ava, and says, "This is what I meant. We're we're not gonna, we weren't gonna be alone for long. I just had to." And he turns back to you, Eli, and he says, "Well, this man creeping on you." <laughs> <laughs> He holds the back of his hand up so like he's far like oh god it's preposterous you know if you are you're not really making a very good case for yourself i am no monster eli eli it's fine really do you really think i'd let someone come on to me like that 
Uh, yeah, that's right. I've seen you kick a couple of old guys' asses. You all continue walking and talking sort of through town, and uh, the sun slowly is now beginning to sort of crest behind the tops of the buildings right now, and everything seems so interesting right now. It's so strange. Like, for some reason, right now, the sounds of chittering birds in nearby trees sounds like so delightful to you both that you've just completely forgotten about whatever conversation you were just holding between the three of you and you even take a moment to to look at like the, a car that goes by and like you wouldn't usually bother taking note of that and it's while you two are in this trance that you are abruptly shocked out of it as Augustus holds out a hand to pause each of you from walking onwards and you just kind of snap back and, and you look to him and he he stands there looking expectantly at both of you with just so much joy and eagerness in his eyes now. And he continues, let me show you why I couldn't come visit you. And he gestures to the building behind him, at least what remains of it. You find yourself standing at the front of the most derelict building you could imagine. There is barely a roof on this thing. There is no door on the outside. There is only a tarp with like holes in it that covers the entryway. It's got scaffolding all around the building. And even then the scaffolding is just rusty. But most of all, Eli, you have that sense of trust right now. The same sense that you had when you were sleeping early this morning. And he holds out his other hand and he pulls back the tie, just kind of kindly gestures for you all to, to walk in. Ava takes a deep breath and walks in. As we, uh- Oh, God dang it. And I follow in after her. You step into a large, dark chamber that stretches upwards and upwards up four stories. And as you look up, there are balconies that overlook this sort of lobby area. And you look up even further now, craning your neck. You see there's a huge skylight letting in the last moments of today's sun. The wallpaper on these walls is crusted and there is broken and wet remains of old furniture and posters and paintings. And Gus rubs the wall that he's next to and uh, you hear him just kind of say under his breath, she's uh, certainly seen better days. And the sun keeps going down and there's only one source of light now coming from in this building. A single light above an elevator that has caution tape all across it. And there's a big sign that says, caution, do not enter, falling hazard. Gus approaches the elevator and strips all of that away and presses for the elevator button. Uh. And you hear this creaking and groaning coming from behind the doors. There is this creaking and groaning coming from behind the doors. And after a moment, they finally open up halfway. (laughs) And Gus has to pry the doors the rest of the way open. But when he does, mm-hmm. it, it is almost shocking. This gorgeous golden light spills out into this lobby area. The inside of this elevator is in pristine condition. It has this smooth, deep mahogany texture. There is leather-bound wall rests all around this. It looks like an elevator that you might find in one of the fanciest hotels that you will ever have gone to. And Gus steps into this warm light and into the elevator. There is this man that is just so full of joy and trust and goodness. And he's standing in this warm smile. And for the final time, he gestures for you to, to follow him. What do you do? I think Eli slaps himself to make sure he's still not dreaming. 
<laughs> okay. Whole day hasn't been. I was just about to say Ava slaps Elon <laughs> to make sure she's not dreaming. <laughs> oh, I just saw me too. Sorry, I had to make sure this is real. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did myself for. <laughs> I mean, I felt my hand contact your face, so obviously I'm not dreaming. I felt it too. <laughs> well, you're not dreaming either. Stop laughing, it's not funny. Um, uh... So I think Ava, before entering, since she is getting fairly good with mechanics, is going to like observe the outside of the elevator to like just kind of look at it see the cogs and kind of how old things are and if they work really well together she's just inspecting it uh roll plus sharp for me oh boy yeah six okay so a six is actually a failure no No, that's okay. I, I don't think there is... You're not going to take harm or anything from this. Uh, all that you can obtain from this right now is that uh, it's an elevator. Uh, Eli, what would you like to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull out my phone and I'm going to text Zach. I don't think I'm going to be back today. Sorry. When you pull out your phone, uh, you unlock your screen and just kind of this filter that goes across the screen very, very briefly... It's like this uh, static ripple and it actually ripples towards the direction of the elevator. And then it's gone. And then you're, you're just kind of looking at your messages again. Um, and you send Zach the message and there's no reply yet. He's probably working on the machine. Uh, I will go over to Ava and I will just say, ladies first. Fearlessly, she walks on. He walks on to very unsure of himself, but apparently also very trusting this person, which he has confused feelings about. After you step into this elevator, the doors close roughly behind them, just kind of shuddering and almost not quite closing all the way. And then finally, clunk, they do. And Gus leans over and he presses a button uh, and you watch his finger and he presses the only button on this elevator, the B button. And immediately, as soon as he starts, the elevator begins to shudder and shake. With a smile on his face, Gus continues. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for flying with Broadstead Airlines today. The weather is looking good, very pleasing. Low chance of rain, mild turbulence at the moment, but that should hopefully come to pass. And he is just like smiling in the most amused way as possible as you two. Um, This elevator now is just like shuddering, almost like an earthquake. And you two are like almost getting knocked around. And he continues, should you have any concerns with your journey as we ask you, please to consult your cabin crew and we'll be happy to help you with any of your requests. The shaking and shattering just continues to crescendo and build and build before finally it begins to slow down its pace and comes to a slow stop. Both of you have this moment now to sort of just catch your breath and and refine your bearings before you hear a slow roar of activity coming from the other side of these doors. Augustus continues. Ava, welcome to Broadstead. And Eli, welcome home. Huh? The doors press open and the dull roar almost bursts your eardrums as we see the faces of our hunters turn aghast as they are lit up with a glowing light of warmth. 